Welcome to Everyday Lies, show about the dumbest, most terrible things that people actually put in their bank account. <laughs> My guests today are Chris and Heather Weber from Under the Pendulum Podcast. Hey guys. Hello. Chris, I noticed you put Pod Nasty on here. Yeah, yeah, what's up, dogs? It's Pod Nasty. <laughs> it's because he'll put it in any pod. He really will. And I don't wash it afterwards. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Pod Nasty strikes Jesus. again. <laughs> I just went with the, the predetermined name on mine. Decisive Amplitude. Decisive Amplitude. It still sounds like a rap name, though. It does. Indie. SoundCloud. D-Amp. <laughs> D-Amp. 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 <laughs> no, thanks for having us on. Uh, it's nice to be here. Yeah, Which thank is you. why, like, Chris and I would like to tell you, we got you a face tattoo for Christmas. <gasps> what? Mm-hmm. I've always wanted one of those. Yeah, that's right. Is it a spider mm-hmm. web or is it's it a, a tear? Oh, it's an ice cream Ah, oh, I knew you were going to yeah. say that. <laughs> but that kind of looks like a tear. That's true. Be like, it's be a like, crying yeah. ice cream cone. I've killed a it's couple a pints in my cone. day, you know. <laughs> These pints always be stepping. Indeed, I have. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So thank you for joining me today. I I want to ask the question that Ira Glass from NPR called the most stoner question ever. What is money? Whoa. Uh, I've often thought of that. It does seem a little too weird that it seems to be scraps of paper and shiny rocks, no? Well, it's like, you know, they tell you not to like roll your weed in a dollar bill. I mean, it does taste a little bad, but like, (laughs) you know, that's pretty good. God, who taught you these? You know what? Never mind. (laughs) You don't want to know. (laughs) Florida. I forgot you were the original uh, Florida man. My bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Riding on a crocodile or, sorry, alligator. Oh, man. Did you see that video of the dude who, like... Smoking a dollar bill. He, like, punched an alligator to get his dog free. Oh, I did see that. That was um, pretty incredible. He never dropped his cigar. Yeah, oh, I heard about that. Cute. I didn't see it, but I heard about that. That's amazing. <laughs> There's he, a video? He is truly Florida. What? It was He's a little... Florida it was a little... Inmate. It wasn't a crocodile. It was a, a little alligator, but still... I mean, I'll take your hand. It was off. a little dog too. It so, was. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I probably would I do the dog love in this country. If it was my dog. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to jump in and try to That's do something. That's very true. I mean. Me too. If that was my little kitty, mm-hmm. I'd I'd wrestle an alligator for spot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be able to not. I don't think I'd think about it. I'd just be a handbag. Like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Spock now has a alligator carrying case. I don't remember how I got it. I must have blacked out, Ranger. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I so I asked you to be on my show today because I want to talk about money. And the reason, I know, I know, right? You love it. You hate it. It is. It isn't. It's terrible. Does anyone understand it? Only the, the only some people. Only people who have a yeah, lot of it. it. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and I don't understand how some people get it because it's like, you know, a social media person could make like 75 grand a year you know just like doing social media stuff and a fucking you know somebody well, someone who's doing, who does skilled hard labor yeah somebody who does really hard work like a construction worker or somebody else like not you know a just, just on that baseline there's so many yeah. jobs that yeah. just don't make anything like 911 operators, man. God, that that has to be the most emotionally taxing job and they don't Oh, it's so underfunded uh, here too. It's it's awful. Yeah, but because you post on Facebook a lot, you make almost like a hundred thousand a year or some shit. Like it, it just that always never, that never made sense to me. And it, it's good that you yeah. bring that up. We're kind of gonna talk about why why that is a little bit. But oh, okay, they're cool. hot. So gonna gonna crack that shell. I, yeah, I'm very interested. So a lot of the information that I'm I'm presenting today came from uh, Jacob Goldstein from NPR. His book called Money, The True Story of a Made-Up Thing. And I, I went through, I looked at a couple of different sources for this. And as you might imagine, a lot of it's very dry. 
and mm-hmm. uses language that just doesn't get to me. Like, I don't understand in that particular yes. way. And I think that's maybe meant for that sometimes. Yeah. Because it's, sure. um, well, like, it's like, how it... much, how well you can manipulate money is directly correlated to how rich you are. Yeah. I mean, legal contracts are kind of designed that way too, you know, especially like the ones we see on the internet, you know, like the uh, accept and oh, yeah. um, our terms and conditions. Like, there are, you know, a lot of times they're, you're supposed to, I mean, they, you know, like they kind of intend for you to yeah. overlook it. And just I worked be like, at a whatever. storage place, and there uh, they make you sign a contract, and it was so shady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you have to agree to basically just get fucked if they decide to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how those like how these things are are legal, but anyway. Yeah. So that's a big source for our show today because it's it gives a good amount of of uh, like examples that I can relate to you. That are, are are good, and it it sh- it kind of goes over the philosophy of money as well as the history of it. Okay. So it's it's a good mm-hmm. one. It's a good one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I think anybody who knows like even just rudimentary, you know, stuff about history, you know, you'll know that like things that have value and what we consider money or um, currency is it's just so fluid and it it changes or it changed constantly and and still does is changing. Yeah, you know, like the way we view. Yeah, like now cryptocurrency. We're definitely going to end today's shows with a discussion mm-hmm. with a discussion of that. Yeah, because yeah. it's the next big thing. It's almost like it doesn't really matter. Mm. Mm. We're going to test that question <laughs> yeah, with I the guess. history and philosophy mm-hmm. of money. Yeah, I might I might be jumping the gun there. Maybe it does. <laughs> I don't know. Will it? Does it? I don't, I don't know. know. Stay tuned, everybody. We used to barter everything, but there's a problem with barter. Goods can be hard to transport and store until you can trade them for what you want. Mm -hmm. Sometime in the ancient past, and in many places, something relatively durable and relatively rare became money. The only thing money relied on then and now to exist and be used is that we believe in it. We clap our hands every day to tell this little green fairy that we love it and we want it around. We spend large amounts of our lives thinking about money. Because in our societies, a person cannot live without money. Ain't that the truth? Ain't yeah. that the truth? Mm-hmm. Amen. The first time I ever saw Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with Liz Taylor was during a time when my grandma was having financial troubles uh, due to medical expenses. In the movie, Maggie, played by Taylor, says, you can be young without money, but you can't be old without it. Yeah. And... I thought of like my Grammy and I thought of my own future as an old person. Yeah. I mean, being an old person is the best case scenario, right? <laughs> and that didn't se- feel so good. No. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's something you really don't start thinking about until, you know, you it's have like, to. Fuck, I should have been. Yeah. I should have been saving some money. Oh, God. Every year that goes and then, by. And then you're scrambling. I worry about it yep. more and, and more. Tr- I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. I don't have any kids. Yeah, and the truth is, yeah, the truth is that the saving money doesn't actually get you very far. Yeah. And I'll explain why. I'll explain why. Yeah. Um, so sometime after that, I moved to Colorado from the rural Midwest. Um, and I saw something the first day I was here that I'd never seen before in real life, like only on TV. It was long lines of tents and unhoused people. And I not spent a lot of time in big cities either, and I was kind of sheltered in some ways. And it turned out being poor can blind you from other kinds of being poor. Yeah. And I hadn't gotten to travel around like other people did, and I'd never seen, like, wealth rise so high into the clouds over masses of huddled poor people. And that was my first impression of Denver, actually. Oh. I was like, whoa, holy fuck, did I just move here? Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't know how to feel, really. God, that sounds scary. And I was always thought it was, it was almost like um like never before had I felt like it's that real before, I guess. Yeah. Oh, Cuz I I didn't see like even when I went to California, I didn't see like exactly what I saw on my first day here. It was just kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess when we were living in Florida, like um you know, we live close by Tampa, which is a, a pretty big city. Um, and there were homeless people, but like definitely not like like the tent city. It's not like it is in Denver. Pretty um, crazy. It's, yeah, it, that was pretty. It's not like it is in Denver to the scale, but um, 
you know, when I went to high school, I was really great friends with Sarah. I'm still really good friends with her to this day. But um, she and I used to go to uh, Williams Park in downtown St. Pete. And we, uh, a few weekends, would do Food Not Bombs, which is this program where you oh, cook yeah. food and yeah, yeah. you hand it out to the homeless people down there. And, you know, we'd sit a, a lot of times and talk with them. And it was amazing. Like, y- you don't notice how many there are until you really are looking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or That's or really or it's true. sort of like thrust in front of you, which is what I think we're seeing in Denver. Yeah. yeah. yeah like it's... once it becomes a thing you can't unsee. Yeah. I mean, because now that there's like more, you know, people on the on the streets right yeah. now, and then, you know, also like the housing market's fucking crazy and stuff, and then now it's just like there's nowhere for all of them to really congregate in one big right? area. And everywhere they find to go that is safe for them and public. The police show up yeah. and do police things. Yeah. Ugh. That's awful. I'd always thought that these things in mind, like people being subject to the elements, kids even, yeah. I'd always thought it was suspect that money was so important and was like the the crux of why this happened. And money is, you know, paper and shiny rocks. Yet how somehow it controls the world. Yeah. You know, very very objectively, you can look at it that way. And I just, I, uh, that that could never be explained to me. And um, the more I've looked into it, it just doesn't seem like it's because of, of money. Like, it's not because there's there's not enough money or anything like that. It just, it seems to be, it's just like people kind of suck. Right. Or, or, or it's like the, like capitalism. You know, just the way it works and the way it favors, yeah, like a certain kind. Like we of... let it do too. We let it go on too far, and now it controls too many things. And now you, it, like, money is the reason people live and die. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you, you either have it or fuck you. Yeah, it's you know, it's funny. I remember like my last year of of college, I was walking by, and you know, people would sit up their little tables and be promoting something, and it was like these. Like rich douchebags and like the super, you know, like khaki shorts and they're like button up shirts and like, you know, all that shit. And they're like capitalism. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. They're like, That's so capitalism's funny. the best thing. Yeah, they're like promoting capitalism in some weird ways. Probably like young, maybe oh, some young Jesus. Republican things. Maybe trust but I was just involved, like, possibly. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh, dude, they stank of it. <laughs> but like. You could smell it walking down. Yeah. Um, walking up to him. But um, this is the story of bros and gamblers. Like they know what they're saying because it benefited them greatly. Well, is that the, that's the <laughs> yeah. thing, right? I mean, they're looking. I mean, they're benefiting from that system, and maybe have just from birth. And you know, that's they're just like, oh, things are great. I got you know, like all this money. You know, blah blah. blah. Well, so to them, it's great. Well, even people you know, like us. But they're yeah, you know, they're not the ones like suffering from it. The rest of the people in the world is just money is a a matter of. Of course, of life, it's it's ever present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you Something have to have it. You think about and we, every and we don't know any different, and we can't do anything about it because, unfortunately, everything above us, anything that we need or want, requires money. Yeah, mm-hmm. you want to do anything? You want to go anywhere? Hey, you want to live in a house? You want to eat? You want to eat? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. You you either have it or fuck you. <laughs> you want to bathe? <laughs> Yeah, and in then if cases. you you wind up in a situation where you really don't have it and you can't bathe, there's just like it's that's like the hardest situation to come back from if you don't have help. Yeah, it's yeah. very true. So the state that I came from was largely conservative and rural, and is a right to work state. And you hear people say things about being proud to work hard, which which that's not a bad thing. No. But they work so hard, even though their health is declining because of it. And they never see their families. And they say, you know, if you want money, don't get a handout. You got to work for it. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I follow, what are those uh, Roman popular, like, mouthpieces called, Chris? What did you call those? Oh, populares? Yeah, those guys. So yeah. they're like those guys, but modern Republicans. And they've never held a blue collar job in their life. And they're trying to tell you that you need to work harder. Yeah. Anyway, maybe that's a whole different episode. Well, right, right. I mean, but, that's, that's not like a bad virtue, right? It's like working hard is a good thing. I mean, but 
don't know, there's a difference between working hard and then working yourself to death. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's for like, sure. slowly sometimes, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most of those guys gained all their money through white collar crime shenanigans. <laughs> and yeah. No. So. Because that's a shitty thing, right? You're working hard, you know, working hard. Um, and then you're slowly like kind of crippling yourself or like your health's declining and you're saving for retirement. So by the time you get to retirement, you're fucking like wheelchair bound and, you, you know, in some cases or, or, you know, you have some like, you've developed really some kind of cancer yeah, man, due so, to exposure. Like, what the fuck or... was the, yeah, yeah what was the point? bamboozled. Yeah. <laughs> bamboozled again. <laughs> Consistently. They said things would be easier when I was old. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, this this creates it. If you can't have money to live unless you work for it, um, then you might be fucked because of mental health and injury or disability, and you run the risk of homelessness, starvation, and death. And to leave it that way is, you know, basically eugenics. It's some this is Sparta ass eugenics too. Yeah. That's some that's hardcore Sparta, shit. Sparta eugenics, huh? Hmm. Yeah. We're basically like, oh, you you don't have money, you die. You die now. You go die. <laughs> yeah, no one's certainly Wait, so trying to help, that's for sure. I mean, there are smaller groups, of course, that, that to their detriment as well try to help, but n- nobody with the power and does. We, we have social programs yeah. like food stamps and low-income housing and Medicare and Medicaid, uh, but we don't have everything covered yet. No. And a lot of this has to do with the sentiment that work equals money. And we always come back to who's going to pay for this. Right. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, how many elections have we been like, hey, we need to go do this really good thing that'll benefit us in the long run. And then someone's like, Meh. like, gonna ooh, pay for uh, well, that's going to be expensive, isn't you it? You communist. <laughs> and, and even this happened back in the day because they're like, we need to put children in schools so that we understand science and can complete compete in the world and they're like oh children (laughs) oh who gonna pay for that can't we just put them to work in the factories come on Uh, i don't even like your kids sounds like a waste sticky (laughs) (laughs) we're just gonna color all over everything (laughs) (laughs) laughing and singing everywhere oh god makes me sick Aw, I'll bet you guys are great with kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I like kids. Yeah. They're fine. Every time another social program is needed or needs to be expanded, this crowd asks who will pay for it. And even when the money can be found, we often still don't get past the work equals money crowd because of their line of thinking that we enable laziness. However, it should be noted that passing legislation that gives tax breaks to the wealthiest among us and subsidizes large businesses happens way more often without a peep from the work equals money crowd. Somehow subsidizing failing industries, who could have innovated but chose not to, isn't looked at like a handout, but helping a struggling single parent make ends meet is. Americans often also think that helping businesses helps people but we'll see the formation of almost fully automated companies within our lifetimes, which means that helping businesses will only actually help a few people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really true. good point. Yeah. How often do you hear like, well, that job's going to be obsolete in about 10 years, like from friends yeah. and family concerned about their own line yeah, of several work. Several of these jobs. Yeah. Several jobs like that. Like I've worked like retail jobs. Like you'll just go through a kiosk. Yeah. There's no. Certainly. You'll just end up doing that Mm because a kiosk is going to be much easier to pay for than than a me. A living human being that needs insurance and (laughs) benefits and vacation time and breaks and yeah. And also retail is one of the worst, like some of the worst positions I've ever worked in my life. (laughs) And it's not just the job, it's the people you meet and how terrible they are. Yeah. And how mean they are to you. Yeah, I, you know, I think there's something it's like to be said maybe there. a machine should take that because a machine won't, you know, bring a, a gun to work and murder all those people one day. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's is, is that interesting point, though, like consumer culture and like what it yes. does to people. Customers like, what it does always to, right. Like, how, Bullshit. 
Well, yeah, right? And it's like That's how, how we got the Karens. <laughs> yeah, how people learn to interact with like strangers who are supposed to be like in your community, you know? Because like you just you would say, okay, I live in Denver, yeah. you know, or I live in Aurora. And I go to these businesses and like I maybe I work at one of these businesses that somebody in the same town lives in and they treat you like shit, even though like you're supposed to be community members. Yeah, you know, like... you're seen as uh, beneath them in a lot of cases. I've seen it so many times. Um, people that have been close to me and strangers, just the way they talk to customer service people, waiter, waiters, waitresses, all that. It's. It's weird how yeah. people think that they're above them just because they're bringing them a plate of food or ringing up their groceries. Yeah. Well, I guess I, you know, you could kind of blame that capitalist consumer culture for making people entitled, you know, yeah. but I I wonder if it if that kind of that treatment probably goes far back. Yeah, back. certainly. Yeah, they, they make fun of AOC all the time saying like, oh, she's just like she's just a bartender or whatever. Like she, she's actually worked hard shifts yeah. and done like spent sixteen hours on her feet, and I don't think any of them absolutely ever have. No, because no. if they had, they wouldn't have so much to say about it. Because if you have worked in a job like that, you know how fucking hard it is. It's not easy. Yeah, like on top of like the physical taxation and all the long hours that you work, you have to deal with assholes all on top the of that. People. It's awful. Yeah, it's hard. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> uh, what do you mean I can't return this even though I wore it for three months? What what do you what are you trying what are you telling I me? I asked for lemon in my water. Ma'am, there's shit on this garbage. You need there's... to cop my meal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck those people. They've never had a moment of working a job like that. If you're gonna treat well, somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, and it's like I and I also think it's how people like view even sm the smallest inconveniences, mm -hmm. you know, because we live in this culture now where everything's so convenient. Everything yeah. needs to be fast and work perfectly. And like, and if it doesn't, then it's like, it's everything fucking sucks, you know, but it's, I, I think it's just another symptom of that, that kind of consumer culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the automation and, you know, the, they're like, people don't always want to work these positions. Most people want better positions for better pay. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, th this was most of Andrew Yang's talking points. If you remember that far back. Um, it's kind of weird. You, you can kind of look out the window at the world today and see the richest 1% holding all of the wealth and see that we're already headed towards what he was talking about. It's like, I don't know, um, almost like figuring out climate change 50 years too late. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So if money is a fiction, a cultural construct, and just a human tool, a good one, but not worth dying for, what do we do to let people live and die? Or why do we let people live and die based on whether or not they can acquire money? Or better yet, if it only works because we believe in it, why don't we change what we believe? Because it's too hard. It's so hard. Yeah. And it is so hard. And uh, we're going to talk about the gold standard. And it's pretty much like you, you. This is why this episode is titled Money in the Ron Swansons. <laughs> because that is the, that is the story of money. Well, isn't that always like always a huge triggering point for groups or for people is like big change or what is seemingly big change. But sometimes is actually like something very small. Yeah, it's like a, hey, you want everything to kind of go on the way it was and, you know, not have lots of people starve? We got to do this really small thing. They're like, no! <laughs> like 5G, you know? Yeah. You want like have 5G. faster information? And they're just like, no! It'll explode my head. <laughs> I want to... It'll make me gay! I like to stay the same and experience this level of misery yeah like how things used to be oh my god there's a there's a show called i think it's like franny fisher's murder mysteries or something like that it's australian and it's set in i don't know it's set like long time ago australia and they're just she just gets a, her first electric phone and the maid won't answer the phone because she's so sure that she'll answer it and blow up the world <laughs> yeah i yeah, mean that that's that's really like 
cartoonish example, but it's not far from the truth, man. It's really not. Yeah, and I one day when we have like seventy thousand G, we'll be <laughs> laughing about the people who thought their heads would explode for five G. Yeah, it'll be a good time. I look forward I know, to that like, day. It's like you know, it was it was there was a jump. You know, it was like what three G and then four G, and, and like nobody was freaking out then. But once it hit five, <laughs> yeah, dude, five. Five G's, and then you're like, "What is the G?" And they're like, "I don't know," and you don't know either. So it's gonna you be give afraid? you cancer, and your your balls are gonna be in your eyes, and your eyes are gonna be where your balls were. And I blame YouTube <laughs> oh, conspiracy theorists, fucking bullshit assholes. I blame people mm-hmm. like that. I do too. Yeah, I absolutely do too. So, is money really uh, that malleable of a concept? Turns out, yes and no, and yes and yes. Money is a tool for impersonal exchange, yes, but it's also a highly cultural concept. So when money was not used, and similarly in places where barter is big today, people showed their wealth and status by giving it away in big feasts and gift-giving ceremonies. And this also equated to favors later. Favors and loyalty and followers is what you got from these ceremonies. Um, and the the book mentions uh, that a lot of uh, tribes of Canada have potlatch ceremonies. And in, uh, in a potlatch ceremony, you give away really generous gifts. And it freaked out the like Canadian imperial, imperialists so much that they banned the potlatch. Oh. <laughs> They're like, what is all this generosity? Be gone with this. Well, it's funny, you know, it's like our, our you know, our... our democratic system here in america is really based off rome you know the republic system and but like roman senators would do that or people who wanted to get into politics they would you know bread and circuses all that yeah, stuff. it's it old-timey was, reciprocity and they well and they paid out of pocket for it you yeah, know you but but it to. was a somewhat make the people happy give them stuff you know show hey i'm a cool guy here's what i do with my wealth and it was like a big pr uh, event really just trying to be like hey, hey i'm on your side you know look look at what i gave you guys um, it's just funny that that didn't hold over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we don't have senators doing that nowadays. You know, we should bring that back. They should be fucking shoveling out their money doing shit for oh, us. Oh, please! As far as we know, the Inca <laughs> did everything without money, and it's kind of amazing. How are they going to yeah. go golfing yeah. three times a week? Come on, guys! I know. That's true. How are you going to tip your caddy? <laughs> They're not tipping their caddy. Big gold doubloons. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't oh, know if you noticed right. about My these bad. putts. Yeah, Why would the, I think that? Yeah, this putter. Yeah, it's uh, made out of the bone of some uh, lower class person. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yep. That that's definitely a thing. But oh, oh god. My seven irons of thigh bone. You know, at one point that probably could have passed as money. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. We. Other things that have passed of money is cattle. You could buy you could buy anything with a cow in most of the world for a very long time. It's very anyway, valuable. Cows got yeah. A lot of uses. It's a very valuable. I think animal. so too. Mm-hmm. Calorie shells, gold gold rings, and whale teeth also. Yep. So you'd have to like hunt a lot of fucking whales to yeah. pay for shit. It's a lot of whales. Yeah. And also what you get from the whale too, if you are, you know, one of those one of those cultures that, you know, consume uh whale the blubber and yeah. whatnot yeah uh yeah the blubber you know you could use whatever meat you can get off it and then that's pretty much uh same across the board here whatever you want uh is demand creates a market so if a certain item was dictated to be like a religious sacrificial item or special food or something like that it would create the opportunity for a person with a lot of that item to trade it for something they want um, and eventually get wealth and power. The book gives the example of the island of Vanuatu has a tradition of pig sacrifice where the a pig of a certain size and has certain tusks is the only thing that can be sacrificed. So there's an incentive for someone to want to keep these pigs. Right. And this is the essence <laughs> of money. Essence. It's a way to store value. <laughs> And Goldstein called it proto-money or money-adjacent. He also quotes an anthropologist who said that there were a lot of murders over pig debt. So, you know, <laughs> mo' pigs, mo' problems. Dude, mo' pigs, mo' problems, man. That's it is money. 
that's kind of money. Yeah, that's got a nice double meaning there too. You know? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so these manners of moving wealth around. Is this a counterfeit pig? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Actually, so I'm about to say like why it doesn't work in cities, and this is pretty much why. He's like, is this pig a counterfeit? It's They're like one of the guys, like, like kids, just dropped up as a pig. They're this gluing, isn't like, even a tusk. This is a tree branch. Yeah, they they carved Sorry. the tusk out of a branch and glued it to the face of the pig. Like, hmm? yeah, they're like, this isn't even the same species of pig. <laughs> Just a, you dip this pig in paint. It's just like a you chicken. This chicken pig. with like a pig nose on the <laughs> tape to it or something. Yeah, it was just a little. It was just a, like a, a little kid the whole time, most knowing kid in the village. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have been that kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, in bigger cities, it's really hard to move lots of animals around or lots of things like that around and mm-hmm. then you end up with counterfeits remember that mummy thing we saw where at the um all of the animals that are sacrificed in egypt as as totem animals back in the day mm-hmm. and they're not totem that's different but um like they're they're animals for certain gods back in the day and then they started like counterfeiting cat mummies yeah <laughs> so like well, anything no I mean, but, but <laughs> a good a good example for your point of like how um, difficult or cumbersome moving like a big, um, big amount of, of goods like that you know it's like the mongols were able to take over i mean they would say like one of the biggest land masses um of territory because they didn't really have supply lines like you know like roman armies would where they'd have like a mile or two of just supply lines people just bring in supplies having to move that having to move all the wealth they would um you know just kind of take things as they went you know like like sack a village here you know, get some food here, take some crops here, you know, so it was like they were able to like move a lot quicker and then and, and kind of spread and take a lot more land. So it was, you know, because they didn't have all that. To yeah, move, that's a good have point. To move around. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, it really does make it easier to just like skip town, move around. Yeah. March in the next day and light it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some could say their success relied on that, like. Um, them not weighing themselves down with, I mean, with shit. all those goods. They invented the Bank of England just so the king could go to war. We'll get there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's one yeah. way of doing it. Um, <laughs> so th- these these manners of moving around wealth don't work in the big cities for those reasons and also because you're moving it around large groups of unrelated people who are like, fuck you, I'm going to take this pig. I don't know you. <laughs> Don't know your family, you know. So sure, like, it looks like a child dressed up like a pig, but I'm gonna take it anyway. Yeah, you lose, you lose the incentive for reciprocity when you get into like giant groups of people. So you have to find out other ways to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. In Mesopotamia, it started with like IOUs on clay tablets, and then coins of gold and silver took off in Greece, pretty much just because they liked them and they believed in them. They're they fun. were just like, ooh. Shiny, they yeah. Uh-huh. They jingle in your pocket. They are pretty they cool. Are. Listen to that. <laughs> Jingling, ling. I mean, it, it is a weird thing yes. with my crow monkey brain. I just, I, it is fun to hold coins. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. I collect if, like, I have, a, like, a little collection of just different coins from around the world. And uh, it's just fun, you know, just yeah, you we... jangle the bag and you feel cool. <laughs> we might have too much wealth in the world to have coins anymore. You'll you'll see what I mean yeah. as, I, as I go Oh, on. okay, well. <laughs> Because the shortage kind of makes sense to me now after this. I'm like, oh, yeah. Then, mm-hmm. Yeah. So as soon as coins took off for widespread trade, like uh, like all around the Mediterranean, coins were being accepted. So like everybody could trade and stuff. Um, like they said, the Lydians were some of the first in the Mediterranean to like mint coins. Ooh. That's uh, that's something I... But that, that Thanks was for one. bringing that fact to the table. Yeah, I like no. fun mm-hmm. facts. I have a few. The Ooh. more you know. <laughs> One of the reasons they were super popular is because you could make a lot of transactions in a relatively short amount of time that resulted in a lot of fucking money. Right. So, like, you know, a guy doesn't even have to get off the ship now to show you what he's got. You just walk up there. Oh, yeah. Exchange. Ten minutes later, you do the same thing. Exchange. And we've only really compounded on that as time has gone on. Right. What are you buying? So... What are you selling? Uh, I don't know if anybody knows it's a Resident Evil. Yeah, Resident Evil Resident 4. Resident Evil 4 thing. They will. I'm not cool yeah. enough. 
but I'm sure some of my listeners. It's the, might it was be. like it's this weird guy. He'd like be at random points and like sometimes just like out of nowhere, and you'd buy stuff like he's the merchant you know, bullets yeah. or stuff that you needed, like ammo. Yeah, and but he was like an old timey. <laughs> yeah, but he was just like like weird and old, almost like medieval. Yeah. He was just like, what are you buying? What are you selling? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, man. I okay. got plague. Don't get too close. That's the new mascot of our episode. Oh, yeah. my gosh, yes. You just pop. You just bring him in anytime. <laughs> he, he's, he's on this. He's actually very he's knowledgeable hired. about economics. So. <laughs> okay, so all these small transactions that got a lot of people really rich really fast. Um, pissed the Rons off. And here's like where our first instances of Ron Swanson's happened. And it's kind of funny to think that perhaps Aristotle was even a Ron Swanson because he called these practices unnatural. <laughs> the, the movement of money in this way just like ain't how it should be during it. Yeah. Well, the Romans, like, uh, were, like the Roman senators and like people in politics, they, because you had like your merchant class, you know, and they were really rich as well. But Romans looked at like the, like the the Senate and stuff. They looked at like using money or dealing with money, um, like a merchant. They always were like, "Oh, that's a it's dirty." Job. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was like unhonorable. But the merchant class dirty. didn't give a shit because they were making. Yeah, they're like, "I'm fuck you. I'm dirty. I'm richer than you." Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Smell better too because I'm a spice trader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, did you know that pu- paper is not a uh, modern invention? Yeah, it's 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 um, uh, somewhat ancient, isn't it? It goes back to like um, so China where they made rice paper. It's uh, that's what I learned anyway. So the first money was made off of like with with uh, bark from trees and fish nets. It says in the book, and then they like laid it across it and just like oh. made it like you know how you did you ever have the kids art class where you made your own little sheet of paper? Yes, you just laid out lint and stuff. Basically, that's that's what he did. Oh, okay. It was uh, an advisor to the con. So Marco Polo, 1270, 1290-ish, went to Asia and saw something that blew his friggin' mind. Everywhere he went, everyone honored the con's paper money. And he he wrote a whole chapter about it called... How the great Khan causeth the bark of trees made into something like paper to pass for money all over his country. <laughs> so, and then he's, and he goes on by being like, you're not going to believe me when I tell you this. You're going to think this is a scam and I'm pulling your leg and it's ridiculous. Because gold in their minds equaled money. To make it be something, you know, worthless like paper is just like the dumbest craziest idea anyone had ever heard of at right. the time well i mean if you if you disobeyed or pissed off the con like probably sent a contingent of warriors to fucking kill you all yeah that's how he got so. it to stick actually mm-hmm. the banks um developed from storing bulky forms of money and giving out paper stamped ious and as you might imagine the earliest forms found in the archaeological record are counterfeits uh, goldsmiths and other holders were like the first bankers, blue collar, flipped white. And before coin and paper, people had to pay taxes in goods and labor. So money made for more free time and paper and coin made for a gigantic economic boom in China. Yeah. And exactly what Chris said. You want to know how the great Khan got everybody to accept and utilize the counterfeit money? Well, basically, he was scary. He was real scary and real powerful and very widespread, and that money helped do it. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, he kind of like, kind of slide a hand at it. He was like, you can redeem this paper money for gold, silver, bronze, treasure, or coins. And then later, he decides that he just wants to go to war, so he just starts printing money and not giving anything back to it, but then being like, it's still fucking money and it still fucking works. And everybody's just like, cool. All right, all right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just like, cool, yeah, the paper money now. It's a thing. It happens. <laughs> and there was like a short kerfluffle in the economy, and then it stabilized just as people began to pass around the money like we do today. And the belief in the con and the con state and the con's word about the money was enough to give the paper value in the minds of the masses, and money as pure abstraction, as Goldstein puts it. It's just like that was like the moment when it went from being a cow to being a coin 
And then they were the first people to break through the mindset of from a coin to paper. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's a physical representation of this like abstract idea. Of, yeah, you gotta of, accept like, that value. abstraction. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, it is. So printing technology and and money technology from China was then brought to Europe, and after they muddled through it for a while, <laughs> it revolutionized Europe. And at the same time, uh, China had an emperor who was all about the good old days. Um, as we'll go on to see, the Andrew Jackson, perhaps. <laughs> uh, and because he sent China's economy down a conservative path, uh, it tanked it. And the country's innovations were kind of kind of like stifled for several hundred years. And when Europe took off economically, uh, mechanical inventions started taking jobs from skilled workers and riots broke out. Which directly relates today with the you know technological innovations that are replacing the jobs we were talking about earlier. Right. You know, there's some like the great cycle began. <laughs> there's some like you know medieval guy who's like, you know, I used to be the cannonball until this new cannonball technology <laughs> came. <laughs> God, that's so accurate. You know, those cannonballs are taking our job. I'm they supposed to, to be catapulted. Yeah. <laughs> It's good enough for my father. It's good enough for me. <laughs> I come from a long line of catapult. <laughs> uh, fun fact: the monarchs of England did not have the clout to make the to. They didn't have the same clout as the Khan, and people would regularly shave the coins for bits of gold and silver. And other people would take the coins to other countries and trade them for gold. For more than they were worth in England, a scrap metal. Wow. I didn't know that. It was just like, they had absolutely no, like, fuck them monarchs. <laughs> oh. Like, did not care at all. Yeah. It was kind of funny. So, obviously, uh, five minutes after there were banks in Europe, there were loans and interest involving paper money. And when a dollar is simultaneously in your account in the bank, and being loaned out by the bank to a borrower, and it's in that borrower's account, that's three places at once, and this is called fractional banking. It works pretty well provided you don't have a run on the bank, which happened about five minutes after fractional banking was invented. There were many bankruptcies, and a run on the bank, if you don't know what that is, is where everyone takes out their money all at once because they don't trust the banking institution for one reason or another. I like the stock market. Oh, see, I thought it... I. Yeah, I thought it was they got their money out, tied them to turtles, and raced the turtles. <laughs> oh. oh, that sounds like a lot more fun. Of course. Yeah. Plot thickens. So does my bag of turtles. <laughs> uh, so this this brings us to John Law, Scottish money bro, gambling extraordinaire, who shaped a lot of our modern money philosophies. Yeah, that's right. Damn it. He made his money gambling and was so good at it that we had a breakthrough in moneyology. Basically, he mastered probability theory and then gambled his way across Europe to his heart's content. And Amsterdam's money-savvy ways blew his mind. And after a while, he went back to Scotland with the intention to turn it into a financial powerhouse by instituting a government-chartered bank, like in Amsterdam, that printed paper money backed by land. Oh. Mm. There were duels over this because of course there were duels. And also England and Scotland were about to unite or um there were duels over this and they overruled him and kicked him out. And there were also uh duel um duels about uh the un- the unification of Scotland and England. They also were like kind of mad uh he was wanted in England, so he had to leave because they were unifying. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Man, they duel about everything. It was, just all, like, it was all about duels. There's so many duels that it literally like made a difference in how the world does money. That's Man. how many duels there were back then. They duel if somebody ate the last piece of pie. Yeah. It seems That right. was my pie, it good really sir. Right. <laughs> my honor. And now we do. My crusty apple baked honor. <laughs> So, um, did you guys ever like understand a little bit about the stock market and get the feeling that it was gambling? Yes. 
Um, I don't really know much about the. I don't know market, much. But about I always it. got the impression that it was like. Gambling. Yeah, same. That's the way it always. That's the way it always appeared as sort of like an outsider, somebody who doesn't really quite understand. No, yes. that's because it is, and it was invented by gamblers. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> you are correct. Shocking. It's <laughs> not actually deeper than that. <laughs> so the economy now just becomes a big roulette wheel. Um, it's a different kind <laughs> of bet, but. It, I don't know about. I don't know what roulette's based on. Actually, it's a um, wheel. I think it, well, that's I've never. Yeah, played. it's the wheel where you flip the ball, and it's just sort of by chance. I mean, like uh, mathematical principle. Oh, I guess that oh, might be yeah. probability. Yeah. There's. It's, it's, I think you it's bet on color. Simple, yeah, you bet on number, or you can bet yeah. on both if you're very bold, and you put certain bets down based upon like your predictions. Like I don't know what the wheel looks like, but like five red or. 27 black or you can put money on like just a ball landing on black or red so it and then it's just like yeah seems up to like up to chance okay. right um right. obviously the more specific hmm. you get the the lower the chance I don't know. yeah i don't know i don't know what gambling game uh describes this best it was just a joke. It was just a no, joke. No, shut up, Chris. No. We're making this in the science. If any gamblers would like to email the show yes. and tell us what game this sounds like, I would be really interested <laughs> to know. Because I feel like if I can play that, maybe I'll get better at money. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, annuities and life insurance are also pretty much gambling. Yeah. This way of assessing life in terms of monetary gain and making bets on it is described by this author as cold and mathy. And I liked that yes. a lot. But it did work as a social program in certain ways and recaptured old potlatchy type reciprocity of community wealth. Okay, so it's or just so a, it seemed. It's just an unfriend just just a big old nerd who has no friends. <laughs> it's cold and mathy. <laughs> yeah. Well, just a big nerd with no friends. Yeah. Yeah. Who's always nickel and diming you? Yes. But, like, on information, like, the guy was like, well, uh, actually, that's spilled with an apostrophe. It's like when you go out to dinner and you all try to split the check and the guy's like, well, actually, you know, I didn't get that. I I, I didn't have any of the appetizers, so I don't know why I need to pay for some of it. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Savvy. Nice. And now you gotta, and now you gotta, like, wipe your hand. Really quickly with the back of, or wipe your nose really quickly with the back of your hand. Perfect. So what is the difference between finance and saving, y'all? Well, saving, when you put your money away into basically like a piggy bank or a savings account of some sort. And then finance would be like putting money towards, well, like when you're paying something over time, but there's interest involved in it. Is that about it? You are precisely right. It's um, He describes it as money is time travel. You take money from the future and bring it into the present time so that it can be used. Man. Interesting, right? Yeah. Mm, sounds like that could be an 80s movie. <laughs> <laughs> how, was, how was that not? They were so into money and cocaine, you would have thought that would have happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. <laughs> The good left undone. <laughs> so this also answers the the a- answers the problem of it takes money to make money, which is how I felt for my whole life. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but I felt yeah. that for it. Yeah, you have to invest in order to have something to offer to make money off of. So say you want to like start mm-hmm. your own little business, you have money to invest into the product and then turn it over for a profit. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is what we're not doing with podcasting right now. <laughs> yeah. There are people who are willing to give you money now to get more money from you in the long run. Pitch Patreon. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll have one at some point. I don't feel right asking people for money yet. Yeah. Yeah. I know I have to start start a whoring soon. I'm getting close to asking y'all. <laughs> we're getting close. We're getting close. <laughs> Podcasts do not grow on trees. <laughs> oh, they don't. <laughs> so to quote the book, fortunately, there are people who have more money than they need right now and are willing to give it up, give up spending it right now so that they can have a chance to get more money later. And finance moves money around in time, which is pretty much what Heather said also. Mm-hmm. 
This gave rise to companies, corporations, and the stock market. And he describes the first stock market, and it sounds just like the same nonsense as today. Lots of yelling, betting, and shit talk. Just... <laughs> He's he, like the way he describes it is just like people are like no 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 and the price that reflects the standing of the company in the state of the world, which under which now I understand why it tanked every time Trump would talk. <laughs> like every time, now I understand why. Like it, it's like it's reacting the same way we are. With like, oh God, no! Oh, it's like it's like you got this you got this jacket that you thought was really good looking, and then it just quickly starts to deteriorate. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get start getting weird. Wasn't looks. as good as you thought. Yeah. <laughs> the seams start coming apart. You get what you vote for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I will actually spare you the boring details about how stock exchange works. Woo! Thank God. <laughs> but I will tell you this: because of people being able to buy units of different companies and such, and bet on them and make money, I want to reiterate my previous point that there was no work done. Work doesn't equal money. It's not a thing. It's a that's a lie. <laughs> Some bullshit. It's part of, it's ironically part of what's called the real economy, but it's not, it's not that real. It's not that real. Yeah. Um, but I, anyway, spare you details on, on that. But um, it does, it does come to the point, like Aristotle said, it's an, a natural accumulation of wealth through very small transactions. And I just want to make the point that if you're like a low level corporate like employee at a corporation, you you do, you're not getting rich from this. You missed the point. You're making someone else rich. That's kind of the point of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, Working yeah, for the man. Before they can have the machine, they need to make sure that you work like a machine. Yep. Who hasn't worked that job? Guy? Dude, those soft-handed asses just bossing us around all the time. It's true. They're tiny, soft hands. Yeah. <laughs> Flawless. Not a scar, not a bump. Asking you the question, anyway, well, so- can't we just? Like, <laughs> no. You have no idea what's going on. <laughs> you have no idea how your business works. No, we can't just. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we just spent two days watching Lower Decks, and it was awesome. And in one of the episodes, they take away all the buffer time for the for the people, and then the ship falls apart because that's not how it works. So, so buffer time was uh, where, you know, they say, "Hey, I need this thing done. How long will it take you?" And so they say a little longer. Sure. You know, it's like if it's like a two-hour job, they'll be like, "Uh, like five hours." Yeah. And that and then they have like three hours yeah. just to fuck around. You know, it's like if your boss and they started timing people. So it's like if your boss is just breathing down your neck all the time about how you why aren't you moving faster? Why are like you have 30 seconds left to finish this job? It's like it's yeah. Uh, under promise, over deliver. Very philosophy. similar. Over promise, under deliver. <laughs> I like that. That's that's really good. good philosophy. Under, under promise, over deliver. So you, you quote more time, which is not going to be. Ideal for your boss, but then you show up like an hour early, two hours early with the job completed. They're like, oh, bravo. You knew it was only going to take three hours, but you say five just in case anything happens. Wow, you really yeah. pulled through. <laughs> Need all kinds of buffers in life. Yeah. And, and they can stimulate the economy, apparently. Anyway, sorry, I'm rambling. <laughs> I'll uh, take us back with John Law. There was a shortage of credit happening in England, and the king wanted to go to war. So when they were trying out their own central bank, the bank was also selling stock in companies, which is kind of like not a thing that had happened before. And the king wanted to borrow so much money for war that selling off those stocks to the company to make money was was how they were going to fund the king and put him like largely in debt to him, to them. Right. And and this uh, this time he had signed legal contracts, so he couldn't just tell them to fuck off. Which is what the the king had done several instances before, 
he just told like told the goldsmiths he wants all this gold. I'll give it back to you. And then he's like, fuck you. He's like divine right to rule. He gives him like fucking the middle finger as he's walking away. I have to give you yeah. shit. So that happened so many times <laughs> that they decided to make a bank and make him sign documents saying that he would actually pay it back. So it actually worked out. And John Law started a small bank doing the same things that the Bank of England was doing with the addition of paper money. And no one believed in him. <laughs> English Sorry. like, you're just some guy. Why would I bank with you? I, I was just, sorry, I just couldn't get this out of my head. Like going back to the king, just flipping people off basically. Just like, yeah, he took a big dump on my desk. <laughs> Probably would have. Yeah. He sent his, his messenger. Imagine just like LBJ. Sure, I'll pay you back. His messenger he sent took a dump on the desk, but essentially it was from the king. Mm-hmm. And he yep. just he gets up there and he King's turd by proxy. Yeah, he gets up there and he just like <laughs> slams his his ball sack against his nose. He's like, "Sorry, the king said I had to do this." <laughs> and then he leaves. And he's like, "The king didn't say that." <laughs> <laughs> it's a personal touch, my liege. <laughs> the teabagger strikes again. <laughs> this time he teabagged a king. <laughs> we must bring Damn. him to. Justice. That is legendary in the circle of teabaggers. <laughs> they are English. What else would you call it? Huh? That's true. Okay. So this was this kind of started as a way to like make the king pay a shit back to the people when he when he took stuff, and it also was to kind of stabilize their economy because, like I told you, people were shaving off coins. Yeah, they were in a terrible position. And they were tired of the king shitting on their desks and throwing his. <laughs> balls in their face exactly you can only take so much i mean you can only take so much Mm -hmm. so the english didn't believe john law and he was trying to give out paper money and they were basically just like who the fuck do you think you are like we're gonna take your paper money for gold are are you high (laughs) you know i I, I understand their suspicion though yeah Yeah. of course you of course you would it's like a thing now but then everybody (laughs) was just like you're not a king you're not a government like who is this guy? He's like, you see this Come paper? Come get your kids. It's going to buy you a goat. <laughs> okay, go home. You're drunk. It's going to be huge. I swear, it's going to be huge. <laughs> but he was the little banker that could, and he believed in his ideas. But more importantly, his friends in the government of France believed in him. And he talked a lot about the their deposits publicly, and it was just kind of like, weirdly announced that the king was going to put money in his bank and then everybody rushed to put money in his bank and he got clients with clout and eventually like a lot of holdings for the french government and then people started to believe in his cult i mean bank (laughs) and everyone to quote everyone believed that it would hold up is what he achieved that was his crowning achievement was to make the whole thing that is money be centered around him Mm. He had what the great Khan had, even though the monarchs didn't have it. And that's why his currency worked. Ah. His paper mm. money was also a hit for the same reason we use cards today. It's easy. It's just so easy. Yeah. So How hard did, it is to carry a cow to France so across the English Channel? That's what I was thinking. Did he, did he hold paper money orgies? You know, I wouldn't run past him. Mm. He seems like the kind of guy who would a little bit, but then he... It's but like he got over it young, so he just kind of wants to sit in the corner and jack off while other people fuck on money. That, <laughs> on that's his how paper I got money. That's, oh, okay. That was yeah, my, yeah. yeah, on his paper money. Yeah, yeah, and then they can't take the money. That seems like it was going to be. <laughs> you know what's game. funny about that is my face is on all of those, <laughs> so it's like they're having sex on my face on my all my thousands of little faces. <laughs> There's all kinds of ways to feel like God. <laughs> So Law next chartered a company through France that started colonial looting in Canada. I'm sorry. I mean, settling. <laughs> anyway. Nice He also save. got, he nice got France save. addicted to tobacco. Uh, he also got France to let him print as oh, much money as he wanted. This made us even more French. <laughs> he bought the debt of the, king, of the king in a consolidation loan. So he was like, you know, now the king is his bitch. And eventually took on tax collection for the nation. Like and he... rode him like a horse into the town square. <laughs> yeah, had he like not just wanted to be this money guy, he could have done a lot of evil with that power. I mean, he probably did. There's going to be a lot left out of his life here. Yeah. Mm. Hence, the looting in Canada. 
But anyway, um, so after he took over the taxes, this he he actually came up with the idea of income taxes in the way that would pay for all of the other little taxes that they all had to pay that drove them nuts and they had to, you know, memorize seven different times of math and shit. So he was just like, no, one tax through your income with the paper money. And everybody's like, oh, my God, this frees up so much time. And there was a giant economic boost in God France. damn it. Damn. Did you know that the word millionaire was invented to describe those getting wealthy off of John Law's Mississippi company? No. Mm. Providing once again that work does not equal money. You can't be a millionaire with work. You only become a millionaire when other people work for you. <laughs> uh. So, so as I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, you making a good or providing a service for sets amount of money is the real economy, and the banker and the loan you got your support for the business for um, is financing, is the future stuff, gambling, blah, blah, blah. And this is supposed to work together and everyone theoretically wins. <laughs> Fun fact, to stabilize the economy further, law made it illegal to own large quantities of gold and silver. Uh, this is the same thing as the Khan did. One of the things that uh, cemented his paper money was that there wasn't other money. How convenient. And as you might imagine, yeah, and as you might imagine, this pissed off all the Ron Swansons of France. Yeah. And the Rons had their own way of getting around the rules. When John outlawed the when John Law outlawed bleh, the gold and silver coins, suddenly gold and silver jewelry were very popular. Oh, really? And then he outlawed any gold objects bigger than an ounce if it wasn't religious, and suddenly there was an outbreak of piety. Mm-hmm. An ounce is a and lot. As, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, thirty-one as, grams of gold. That's pretty big. Wow, you just know that. Yes. You know lots of goldy things, <laughs> don't you? Because you work with gold. <laughs> or 20 penny weight, however you like to measure it. <laughs> 20 penny... Okay, these are le- levels of measurement I didn't find in the book, and I love it. <laughs> I love all of this. New people thinking back. Um, at some point in time, there was a guy who would measure things for you in amounts of seashells. <laughs> like, that, that was a thing. That's about 20,000 seashells. <laughs> Yeah, that would be about 20, 25,000 seashells. <laughs> right, so at this point in time, he was not able to separate people's association with gold and silver to money. And he pushed the law anyway and then followed up with devalu- devaluing the currency. So riots broke out and the economy was in free fall and law was fired and France went back to coins. I mean, to be fair, though, the French just like to protest. <laughs> Is it just the French? I thought that was a millennial thing. Uh, well, I mean, like I the French, the French, French did it no with face? a certain style. The they did it with style, and and lots kill all of, the rich people, kill all the rich people, and lots of sauce for dipping bread. Mm. I think I'm just hungry. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, they got around every rule he made and could not separate in the minds of the people that coins and gold and things like that weren't money that anything could be money and it fell apart everything fucking tanked just on the belief of what money is it's like what are you going to change this thing that's been around for thousands of years gold has been money for thousands of years and you're just going to be like yeah that's not a thing anymore yeah it's not going to work it's not going to fucking work yeah, somehow he thought he could do this in a lifetime, and <laughs> I I don't know if you could do this in a lifetime. You're never going to do maybe, it. Maybe a, if you did a whole time, if you just, like, falls to the wall, your kid might be able to benefit from that. But anyway, we'll get to that part in the next episode, which will be part two of Money. And uh, I'll tell you what happened with uh, John Law and the riots. And come back to how we gamble our lives away in the stock Yay! Cool. <laughs> it's funny because I'm not even the one gambling. Is that the fun part? I, I think so. <laughs> Is this supposed? Am I am I having fun? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, you're having fun. 
You're having so much fun. See, look how I'm moving your money around. <laughs> your yeah. you, These hours that you've worked. This representation of that. Also, seashells are money now, so I'm just going to change out your wallet real quick. Why, I just mm. paid my car insurance the other day, and don't I'm I feel friend. good about it? You just mail them a bag of seashells and be like, I believe. <laughs> this should work, right? I believe. <laughs> this should work. This here dead dog is worth two cars. <laughs> He's he's got the ghost of many famous musicians inside him. <laughs> His name's twenty seven. It's for sale on eBay for forty five thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm not gonna look to see if that re- if that's real. I'm so sure that's real. I mean, people try to sell like haunted stuff, like haunted, haunted dolls, dolls and shit. And yeah. I think eBay. I think eBay had to change some. Yeah, like, I heard about, about that. that yeah. That's unfortunate because you can pay for fictitious items with fictitious money. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter what you spend it on. If it makes you happy, but that's buy wrong. that three thousand dollar haunted doll. I know, right? Like it's it's all stupid. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Go ahead, buy the doll. That's that's three grand. Well, well I think spent, so. Right? <laughs> Especially if it really is haunted. Money and... doesn't mean anything, does it? Who cares? Uh... <laughs> Put it in a glass house, watch it fly around. Mm-hmm. Charge two dollars a head. <laughs> All right, hit me with those tasty plugs. Oh, that sounded gross. <laughs> <laughs> Lit pod nasty lace fucking plugs on you. Yeah. Oh, Do some plugs for your face. <laughs> so, Give yeah. Me pod nasty plugs. <laughs> so, as people who may listen to this already know, Heather and I do a um, podcast with our other sister, uh, Under the Pendulum Podcast, where you talk about dark history, folklore, weird traditions, really anything horror related. Um, and you can find us on Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast, on Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast, on Twitter at Pendulum underscore pod. And you can find all our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Google, Google Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasts, or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods. God, that was so professional. I'm everywhere they are. <laughs> and it's Except- Everyday Lies, Everyday Lies pod. Look for the Snailian. I don't know why when you search for us on Spotify, Joyce Meyer comes up. We're all upset about it. <laughs> you got to trademark that. <laughs> I got to start a mega church so I can buy a, a trademark, you know, take money to make money. That's a great idea. <laughs> You can start a church around the same. <laughs> 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 <laughs>